Just sit up taller so everybody can see your letters. No. Right, right. Because now you cut off your head. So, <laughs> your, head your head disappeared. So um, no, he did it. And I know it I did. Yeah, it did disappear. So, so why don't you just zoom the camera back a little bit since you since we obviously yeah. know what you're trying to show us all. I was I try to do nothing. Why y'all trying to do that? Uh-huh. Okay, it's okay. Early in the morning for all that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Happy Saturday to both of you. Yes, happy Saturday. Same to you, Doc. It is a uh, balmy 80-something degrees already. Yeah, it was definitely hot last night, and it's going to be hot today, too, in Texas, so. Yeah, yeah, so speaking of hot. <laughs> yeah. Somebody check, somebody check uh, Nick Saban's bath water. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> that right uh, there, when I woke up that morning uh, heading into work, I said, he said, what? I don't yeah. know if replaying the video. I was yeah. like, Jackson State so, this and Jackson State that. We show living people here rent free. That's right. It's a good thing for us because we couldn't pay for that type of media. <laughs> no, no. We don't have a budget for it. But we got a million dollars for a player. Yeah, our coach makes 300000 So you think he's going to pay a player a million dollars? I don't think so. That's bad business. Well, first of all, <clears throat> A million dollars would be one eighth of the entire athletic athletic budget for the whole school. So, yeah, yeah. that's all sport. That's all sport. All sport. <laughs> I mean, we're an eight million dollar budget organization. Wow, he's a nine million dollar coach, Mister Saban. <laughs> that is right. Makes nine mm. million a year. So, a year? Wow, yeah, I thought yeah. that was just throughout his contract. So that's even worse. Yeah. So when you think about that, uh, put this in perspective for a second. So Jackson State athletic budget for all sports is $8 million a year. We're nowhere close to the largest budget in HBCUs by a long shot. Wow. We're not even topping the swag by a long shot. We're near the bottom. Wow. Uh, thanks yeah, for we're, actually middle, we're actually middle of the road. Okay, yeah. we've increased. We were near the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but family use budget is bigger now. Prairie View's budget is bigger now. Mm-hmm. Double hours, in fact, I think, you know. So Alabama's budget, though, since we're talking, since, since we want to throw out those figures, old, old St. Nick, um, Alabama's budget, I believe, is $180 million for all sports. That's correct. So $8 million. Yeah, $8 million. $180 million. Oh, $80. No, no. $180 million. Is Alabama's budget for athletics? Jackson State's budget is eight million. Right, Kennedy. You remember we had that long discussion about TV and SEC yeah. network and what that means to those member institutions. That's how you get a one hundred and eighty million dollar uh, athletic budget. Okay. Now, I think the football budget alone, Charles, is about eighty million in that, isn't it? <clears throat> in that neighborhood. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think, but here's the, here's the, here's the thing. It's all negative for Nick Saban because now he's burned the bridge with one of his former coaches, Jimbo Fisher, because that's really who he was talking to. Right. He was talking to two audiences. He was mad at Jimbo, and he was talking to his own boosters saying, you got to get your money up because they are bidding us on players. But why is he mad at Jimbo Fisher? I'm just I'm trying to understand. Because this is how it works, Kennedy. This is how it works. In Power 5 football, he who has the number one recruiting class has an excellent chance <laughs> of three to four years later winning a national championship. Okay. That's, I mean, over time, that's proven. Number one recruiting class, in three years, you, you're playing for championship. And so he knows that AM is now in the mix for that. That hurts him. Okay. 
But the thing is so crazy. I didn't really realize it till um, one of my friends brought it up. They was like, yeah, I don't even know why Nick Saban did that. They were friends before then. I was like, friends? They was like, they did a whole Affleck commercial. I was like, they definitely did do a whole act. Like, they know each other. It's not like Dion and Nick haven't met at all. Like, that's what makes it so crazy to me. Like, why would you? Hey, <clears throat> because here's, here's the thing, and I heard Feinbaum talking about this. Name, image, and likeness, yes. But because of who Coach Prime is, because of his stature in all sporting communities, because of his name recognition, and because of the job that he's doing at Jackson State, he has become a threat to all institutions mm. because he doesn't have to pay players to play for him. Mm. One, we have one of the most inviting and exciting um, cultures in all of HBCU. So if you can expose kids and their families to Jackson State's football culture, we've always known it because we've always been around and been here. But exactly. a lot of people have never seen what it's like on a game day. A lot of people have never seen what it's like on campus. So when you put those things together and they now see something that mirrors what Alabama or LSU or Ole Miss have going on on television, but it's all black people. Oh, wow. This exists, right? This exists. That's yeah. what <clears throat> and I'm gonna I'm gonna also throw in this as a you know as a former athlete uh and, and, and Charles Tate because he you know he was one of those band members. It is a different feeling um to play in your culture i've had the opportunity where you go and you play outside of your culture and you don't have a lot of fans travel and it's just a football game that is a totally different experience than when you playing in your culture and those bands are blowing with songs you know and the fans and the wave and the whole camaraderie that's a whole different level and you can't duplicate it and so that's not something that money can buy. That's not something that can duplicate at a Power Five. Um, it's totally different. I have been to the Power Five games uh, at the height. I, I, I have had the, the, the pleasure and privilege of being invited to be in a booth at a Clemson game. I've been to a, a state game, an Alabama game before. And I can tell you that there was definitely a lot to what uh, Coach Brown said, he said, if you let a kid come to an HBCU homegrown, particularly at Jackson State with 60,000 packed out, that's quite a compelling case. It's going to be very hard for any of them um, to, to compete with that because they, they don't have a counter-compete other than money and facilities. And so it's, it's, it's real interesting. And I think as Travis Hunter is even more successful than, and he will be, it's only going to continue to raise the flag, not just for Jack State, but for all HBCs. And you're already seeing it. But watch this upcoming year. I think you're going to see five stars not only come to Jackson State, but you're going to see a five star go to a school that's not named Jackson State. Right. In this upcoming year, I really believe that. And it's going to start happening. I believe it. I do too. I truly do. <clears throat> when you have statements in the media, and so here's what, here's what. Power five schools miss on. They've dominated the conversation for so long. Um, they miss on the fact that you're giving us free media. So in recruiting, if you hear Alabama, Texas AM, Jackson State, well, guess who just leapfrogged into the top? It's a line of recruiting. <laughs> Jackson State, because you right. just heard it that way. True. So I have a question. Granted, you know, Dr. Irving, you said ways to increase the budget is through, like, you know, the media. Like you said, SCC has their own network. But you just explained how certain HBCUs in the SWAC have higher athletic budgets than us. How can, like, what are other ways Jackson State can increase their budget, though, if that makes so, sense, if we're in the so, middle? So here's what you have to watch, because this is happening. It's unfolding as we speak. Their budgets are larger because they have larger student bodies. Oh. Okay. So revenue comes in through okay. tuition. 
largely on black canvases, tuition fronts everything, salaries, uh, departmental budgets, housing, all of it. Um, I can remember when North Carolina A&T first started on their run, they, they were not what they are today. And then look at the graduation they just had. They just had the largest HBCU graduation in the history of HBCUs. How many did they have? I couldn't tell you the exact number, but I know it was. I mean. I know. I went to PV last uh, weekend. A thousand. I was late to my own friend graduation. And I still didn't miss her. Like an hour and a half late. because yeah, of- You're talking about probably double <clears throat> <laughs> or more than that. I mean, it was the whole, it was the whole gymnasium floor. Ooh, wow. But that came from their football run. Mm, okay. Football takes care of a lot of things. So we about to have a housing crunch. We about to have all kind of crunches because not only are football players going to come, that engineer is going to come, that pre-med student is going to come. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that political science student is going to come. So you're gonna have you're gonna have a new generation of lawyers, doctors, accountants, finance, educators on campus to experience the culture. And before you all got that fancy walkway, all we had oh my gosh, all we had was the plaza. Y'all sound just like my dad. <laughs> and, uh, it's nothing like it. And so what, what families are rediscovering is we talk about Jackson State and its culture, but you have that all across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, what's ironically uh, that a lot of people don't talk about because Jackson State, uh, because of Coach Brown, we get most of the, the coverage, but here's what's quietly happening around the conference. Uh, everybody is elevating. Everybody's that way. So if you, if, you, if you look, and it's not just Jackson State and FAMU, which is what people thought it was going to be, but look what Alabama State is doing with a new coach that's just coming in for the first seat. It just brought in a four-star uh, transfer quarterback from Auburn who was Mr. Football in Texas. And Kennedy, I'm going to take you back and make you remember this uh, because you were still here at that time. Remember the year, first year, Duncanville, when undefeated, went to the state championship game, yep. lost on the last play of the game yes. they held married to this team, North Shore. Mm-hmm. Well, that quarterback was a freshman at that time. He went on to win two more state championships, in, no, three more, and he only lost one game in his high school career. He was Mr. Football in Texas. But that player is now at Alabama State. Really? So, Yes, so you you starting to see this stuff happen. That's a four star kid. Um, that really by a lot of accounts was a five star kid. So it's happening, and and you know what what just transpired yesterday with Peter Woods, uh, that that sat down in an interview with own twenty own um, own twenty four, um, the recruiting service. I, I forget the name, but I know it's own something, and he's a five star recruit out of Alabama, Alabaster, Alabama. He has offers uh, from Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas. I mean, all the big boys. And Jackson State. And Jackson, and he just got an <laughs> offer from Jackson State this week. And so here's what they asked him. They said, does Jackson State offer you late in the recruiting game affect, hurt their chances? He said it does absolutely nothing to their chances. In fact, this, they, I would put them automatically in my top four right away, up there with Alabama, Georgia, LSU. And then he goes on to say, I've been waiting on this offer. I've been waiting on this offer. When is the last time you ever heard a five-star say they've been waiting on an offer from an FCS school? Not to mention the HBCU uh, FCS school. And he says, I've been waiting on this offer. And he said the HBCU culture is is unduplicated. He said, and I'm I am a big fan of what Coach Prime is doing there, and that I can see myself really fitting into that program. That's right. Come on home, son. <laughs> hey, 
Nothing like it in this world. 1400 Lynch Street. Listen, I'm just saying, when you, when, listen, we all knew 1400 Lynch Street, but it still shocks me when I'm watching podcasters or even on first take. It was one of the sports shows this week. And I, I hear other people that are non HBC people saying, there's something special going on in Jackson, Mississippi. There's something special going on in 1400 Lynch Street. And I'm thinking to myself, what they know about 1400 Lynch Street? <laughs> yeah, a lot of commentators were talking about it, especially when um, Nick Saban said that. I want to say uh, Sharp said that. It was another, uh, I wish I could figure out his name right now, but he was a black commentator. Oh, yeah. They, um, a lot of people was like, are you serious? You going to say that right now? And Shannon kind of went in on him. He did. Shannon went in on him just a tad. Well, so and that's what I mean by what I mean by free media. What Coach Saban didn't realize was not only is Coach Prime a good coach, he's a good networker. He has friends at all of these stations because he was at NFL Network all that time. He gave everybody access to him. So when you come for him, all you do is blow the program up. So we got a whole news cycle. <laughs> then another news cycle to digest what was said in the in the first news cycle of nothing but Jackson State on all radio stations that talk college football, all online forums that talk college football, on the flagship Fox Sports, ESPN, on YouTube, all the YouTubers. Why is Nick Saban going after Coach Prime and Jackson State? Yeah. So then what happens from that is a, a Division II All-American that we probably were in the running for commits. <laughs> probably the best running back in the MEAC last year. Commits. Right. So it has a domino effect. It's positively for us. But as Leslie said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help elevate all programs because if you notice – the other thing that Coach Saban doesn't understand about HBCU culture, we can argue amongst ourselves. Right. But now when you come from one of us, everybody's going to yeah. the defense of whoever is being attacked. And so you had people from Alcorn, Southern, FAM even. FAM, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, but even FAM. I, mean, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm giving them their credit. I'm giving them their credit for stepping yeah, I guess up. Yeah, and I say this to any kid that's considering the HBCU, whether academically or to play sports and academically, let me, let me just make this clear to you. There is your HBCU family internally, your school, you attend, and then there's the bigger HBCU family that's comprehensive. They both exist and they're both real. And so that, that statement that Charles just made, it's okay if we go after each other, but now if you come after one of us, you come after all of us. Exactly. And that is that is that family thing. And there's not a power five in America that can match that. No. Okay. That's that culture we're talking about. It's, right. it's infectious. You and and now, Kennedy, since you know so proudly showing us your letters, you have entered another culture which is wrapped and entangled very closely with the HBCU culture, and you're going to get a double whammy. So I don't travel without something JSU on. And, and I might have my fraternity stuff on, I may not, but I always will have something JSU on when I travel. Because somebody... You know who you're going to run into. Yeah, very true. Especially in our... Because, um, you know, I was, I've been subbing before I leave, you know, for my internships and stuff. And I'll tell them, like, hey, if you have any questions about college, you know, I go to Jackson State. And the kid's like, you go to Jackson State? I was like, yeah. They was like, so have you met Dion? I was like, I actually did when I was in the gym working out. So I, <laughs> I actually did meet him before. And then I was just like, it's actually crazy. Um, One of the high schools that I sub at, they said one of the football players there actually just committed to Jackson State as well. And I was just like, well, that's good. He chose a great school. And the same thing, um, even when I wore my letters to school yesterday, my one of my students was like, so you're a Delta? I said, 
<laughs> yes, yes, I am. They was like, I've always, I watched y'all on YouTube. I said, and you keep that to yourself when you go to college. I said, and that's what I told her. But it, it's the it's the influence that you have. I think I feel like black people don't realize whether it's like Jackson State or you were at HBC HBCU um, paraphernalia, Greek paraphernalia. It's the influence that you have on younger generations. So I kind of tell them, be like, you know, if they was acting up a little bit in class, I'd be like, come on. I'm in college. I said, college is funner than this. You really want to stay here in high school? I said, come to Jackson State. So it's good. It's a lot of one thing I didn't realize. I don't know about on um, your side of town, um, Mr. Peters. It's a lot of Mississippi people moving up here. Like it's two um Slawcorn alums that are that work at the high school that I was subbing at. One of them was from Natchez. I was like, dang, it's a lot of y'all coming up here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you know now you know. They moving on my side of town. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, um, you know, this is the powerhouse of all where most of your uh, your predominant and dominant African-American athletes are in the Dallas Metroplex. They're here. The yeah. big ones over here, the Duncanvilles, the Sotos, the City Hills, the Mansfields, the Grand Prairie. That's it. So, of course, I see that influx. Um, and I think what, what what you see happen, even, and I've seen it in a microcosm here, you know, there are kids that, that, that come from out north that want to play here. The culture over here is very, it's a high school version of it, but it's yes. very similar to a Jackson State. Yes. You know, the swag culture. So, again, you're allowed, the swag is different. The, 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 the game atmosphere is different. Right. And I, you know, I, I go to all of them on a Friday night in Texas. I'm usually, and that's probably going to change because now my daughter in high school and she's going to have all her stuff. So I'll be there. <laughs> but, um, you know, any given Friday night in Texas in the past, I was at some high school, whether it be Allen, whether it be McKinney, watching yeah. high school football. And uh, so I've been all over the Metroplex. And I can tell you that just, there's just something different. Yes, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a lot of, um, like I said, like even when they had their college wall and it just made me happy seeing HBCUs like FAMU, TSU, Dillard, Prairie View, Texas Southern. It's a lot of people in my neighborhood I didn't realize going to my neighborhood gym. It's a lot of Grambling alum here on this side of town too. I was like, wow. I was walking past students. I said, why you got that ugly Grambling hoodie on? They said, why you got that ugly JSU shirt on? I said, because it's the best college in the land. (laughs) <laughs> so and that's what I mean. That culture yeah. that that defines us is unspoken. Like we know we just joking. There have been times, Charles, and I'll tell you, we've been just joking with some other HBC alums. We meet out or we traveling, and people around us that's outside our country think they like, should I call it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. They don't know what to do with it, right? And I think some of the players mentioned that just when you can be comfortable, right? And you don't have to self-explain everything. And we we all know that. Um, I I think if nothing else in the in the recent years, I think a lot of us as, as particularly as black professionals that still work or are entangled in corporate America have had to constantly explain why this is offensive or why this happened or why. Uh, we feel this way because if you're not in our culture, you don't walk in our shoes, you don't get it. You know, why is it that you got to narrate a police stop? You know, um, why do you feel like you have to do that? I literally had that question asked me, why do you feel like you have to do that? Because it gives me my best chance of living. Exactly. <laughs> why uh, Why do you feel like, uh, you know, and I started asking the question back, why, even though we work together and, and, and you've seen me several times, why do you still clutch your purse and move as far as away from me as possible when we in the elevator? You know me. Mm. Going to the same office. See, see that that that's what I'm talking about. So when you don't have to explain that, because um, it gets tired after a while, and you you can just be yourself, and, and people get it. It's an attractive it's an attractive thing, because sometimes you 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 just just want to be free. <laughs> And so I think for athletes now, and I want to give these athletes credit in this generation, they're becoming much more savvy in their decision-making. They're considering a lot more variables in their decision-making process. 
and they're defining their own path. And so, you know, if you want the bag, they'll go get the bag. Everything is a business decision. And they're making business decisions based on their goals and what's in their best interest. And I don't have a problem with that. True. That's the way it should be, actually. Yeah. Always. That's how it should be. Always. Yeah, because you'll never hear me say and tell a kid, don't go to a power five. I'm telling a kid, do what's best for you, but look at all the possibilities. Yeah. And you can't tell me the power five is the best for you if you haven't looked at all the possibilities. Well, here, here's 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 something that's happening that I credit Coach Prime with. People get mad when you give him credit for stuff. Right. Um, but by him taking his platform and shining a light on HBCU football and the excellence of Jackson State, people are becoming more open to the idea of HBCUs. And a lot of that is we just simply didn't have a large enough media profile or platform because in a sense, it was the chitlin circuit. All the black people knew, go to the classic, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. You go to school at HBCU, you're going to get a good job. But that's inside marketing. That's mouth-to-mouth marketing. Power Fives have more money and more resources. But if you notice, at the time that Coach Prime was coming on, Everybody at Jackson State raised their social media game. And so not only was his message being amplified, people were beginning to see little snippets of our cocoon. (laughs) No, people were beginning to see little snippets of the vet on a Saturday. Like, what is that? (laughs) You know? Right. So it's like, okay, well, it is something going on there. Yes, I let can me, tell let, you. Let me give you, let me give you a simplistic thing. I remember watching a broadcast, right? It was one of the ESPN broadcasts. This goes back to, I mean, the spring. So this was Coach Prime had just got there. Um, we, you know, this is the early, early ongoings of it. And we were on TV every game in the spring. Every game. And so they 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 were panning to one of the recruits, some of one of the recruits that said, and I can't remember if it was Tiffany or Jay, and one of the comments from one of the recruits that was considering Jackson State at that time, that a sense of sign, and I won't call her name, but he, his comment was, I've never seen a band enter a stadium like that. It gives me goosebumps. <laughs> so I can relate to that as a player. You're down there on the field. Like, even as a fan, I can still relate to that. When you hear that, boom, 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 you turn your head. Everybody in the vet, unanimously, the air is going to be talking. It can be loud. As soon as you hear that, everybody turns, get the pom-poms, and it, it's an instantaneous reaction. Well, that culture now has been seen by millions. And then when you think back to what Charles said about the platform, when Coach Prime posts, it automatically go out to millions. Then remember how many blue check marks he got to follow him. The next year to their millions. So when he sends something out, that's magnified and hitting 20 million people every time he does it. That's right. That's right. We can't pay, we can't pay to hit a million people. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, I you know, as a small business owner, which I'll tell you, I know what the cost are. Look, no. <laughs> can't pay for that. That's why I said give that man his credit because he helped raise the profile. It's not he didn't he didn't create this. This is he didn't raise it. Yeah. This is rich tradition that's been in place since the beginning of Jackson State. We so had that. we have the most Hall of Famers in the state of Mississippi, Power Five included. So this is not something that's new, but what he did was he gave us he gave us a fresh coat of paint. He gave us uh, you know some LED lights instead of the old fluorescents. You know, and look, 
You know, he gave uh, us new microphones. He gave us some right. big ones. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, oh, you know it, it was the difference between when you go to get your car washed and when you get your car detailed. Yes, right. you get a car washed, it ain't gonna hurt your pocket. Now that car detail, it's gonna set you back. They're gonna set you back some hundreds. But when they get through, you got a new car. Like yeah, Charles, so they really, like really. They they're gonna take all that cloudy dust off your old life, make them do it again. They wash the underwells underneath your wheel, all that like it's do again. Oh, yeah, that's a different kind of feeling. When you drive that baby, you're like, okay, okay. You drive different, you swag different. Then you get mad when people when people uh, uh don't 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 take care of your car because it's so clean and nice. You want it to stay that way. You have a little attitude behind it. I know. Yeah. True. So he gave us a detailed job. We've been getting car washes. He gave us a detailed job. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. even though we had tradition, <clears throat> like like most programs, there are ebbs and flows. And we went to a we went through a string of, of high turnover in football coaches. And usually, and this is not just HBCUs, this is football period at any level. When you don't have consistent leadership, everything at the school suffers. The academic side doesn't like to acknowledge that. I'm on the academic side, but it benefits us to get in the rowboat together and push the programs, push the academics, push that along with the sports because now we have a bigger audience to pull from. You're 100% right. I mean, I would love to see a study on the increase in JSU's enrollment <clears throat> since Prime was announced to now versus where it's been the last five years. Well, I would say give it another two years because he was announced during COVID. So that's true. That's true. So, yeah. You know, it's going to take a little bounce back, but you can see the momentum building. I mean, we have four home games this year. Watch. There it's going to be big. Each home standing game. room only for all of them. Everyone. Yeah. And we have, we have a Grambling, Southern, Campbell and Valley. and Valley. Valley. Yeah. Yeah, it's four four sixty thousand plus games. Watch. So you better just get to the stadium for nine o'clock and you just call it. Yeah, I, I already told my friends I'm not doing that. I said, and it's my senior year. I said, if you're not ready, you are getting left. You're just gonna have to Uber because I'm not gonna that parking gonna be ridiculous. So <laughs> if you're not ready, it was even a little hard. Well, I don't want to say hard, but it was just a little shocking for me that I was still parking on kind of like the sidewalks for the spring game. You know, I thought I could maybe get in on the, just in the stadium parking. When I was on the sidewalk, I said, this is just a spring game? Yes. It was a good crowd out there, Liz. It was I'm a good you. crowd. It wasn't super like how it was at the games, but it was a good crowd for a spring game. For a spring still, practice? Yes. Like, I'm on parking on the sidewalk. It was really, it was legit Twenty to 25,000 people at the spring game. Yeah, like so that that's what makes it really exciting, and that's what I'm really excited about. Even certain of my students, they was like, Have you seen Travis Hunter? I was like, Yes, that's like, has he played yet? I said, He wasn't, he missed the season, you know, he graduated in the fall, and we don't have the season in the spring, so we haven't, he hasn't played yet. Tell him, say, Yes. He's a student on campus like me. He's a freshman. I'm an upperclassman. Yeah, that's what I told him. But it's funny that you say that because I can tell you there was a whole group of young boys at the spring game. They didn't come to see Jackson State. They came, they came to see, see Travis, huh? <laughs> and him himself is going to bring even more media because I didn't realize how – you know, I was more, I played basketball and stuff. And granted, Texas football, when I first moved here, even my dad, he was like, these little boys running out of blow-ups. And we had that when we was in Chicago. So I'm seeing it now, how, like, boys are really are influenced. Like, they're watching it in the class, like, watching football highlights of high school, top five. It's a huge, that that one in itself is a culture right there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're talking about it all the time. I'm telling them, hey, y'all, finish this assignment. Okay. Go back to Washington. I'm just like, well, they just not gonna listen. So, <laughs> yeah. so that within itself, you know, some of them have fans already. So it really is exciting. 
I'm excited for my senior year because also we're going to have a new uh, male head coach. That's going to be different. Mo Williams is going to be different. Our girls going to go back to the SWAC champ again. And Let me read this. Getting ready good to get point, good good point. Point. Charles, talk about the recruiting effect and what's happening with female girls basketball yeah. and boys basketball in the midst of all this, how these programs benefit off each other. It's not just it's not just uh basketball. I mean you look at the you look at the at the hot street uh coach country is on with the track and field. You look at the hot yep. street baseball is on. You look at the new graduate volleyball player that's coming in, um, who, who openly said on Twitter just last week, I've gotten my PWI degree. Now let me see what this HBCU culture is about. Because exactly. we have that bigger platform. People now are looking for options. You know, you have the social justice issues. You have the the p- political issues. You have that undercurrent of racism. You have a lot of things going on that have people considering alternatives. Yeah, exactly. You have issues that have happened on bigger campuses that have people considering alternatives. And let's face it, from a dollars and cents perspective, an HBCU education is one of the wisest investments that a family can make. But they haven't had that in the mix because maybe they were in an area where it wasn't talked about as much. Well, lo and behold, you have arguably one of the best football players to ever play come in that everybody knows whether they watch football or not. And his friends just happen to be on Good Morning America, the Today Show, ESPN, Fox. You know, I mean, so they're all talking about their good friend Dion. <laughs> it's gonna be a difference. And when Mo Williams comes, it's gonna be even a bigger difference. And I kind of wanna transition just to basketball only because, first of all, I think who made the prediction when it came to um when it came to the Suns in Dallas. I can't remember. Uh, that would be me. That would be me. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be me. I've already, I've already uh, owned up to that. But here's I what I want to say. <laughs> that right there. I can't believe it. So that many. would be me. I called I, it. I called it. But, and a lot of people was like, Chris is just never going to win a ring at this point. No. But here, right. here's what I wanted to see. Here's what I want to do. And I've already had this conversation with Liz. I give him his props live. I told him, you were right. In a sense, yeah. I was right too. But, um, because we all we both were focusing on Luca. I said Luca wouldn't have help. He said he would. And they came through for him. But that was against Phoenix. Now yeah. you're talking about a three-time world champ. But now we had I didn't I didn't predict that one. <laughs> okay. They they did make it a competitive game last night. It was a really good game. They but, still lost uh, though last night. They had yeah, a 19 point lead and they still lost. Yeah, they lost. They came out on fire, hit 14 15. Of their first 18 three pointers. They made 15 three pointers in the first half. They finished 21 or 45. So they made, yeah. made six in the in the second half. And that's the thing about basketball, man. You, you you it's not about it's about being hot at the right time. So yeah. it's a great yeah. education for them as to what it takes. Because Golden State is full of vets who've raised championship banners and they're hungry for more. They're on the hunt. They are. And LeBron is out the question, so they really are. They like this should be not a cakewalk, but way easier than we've had in the past. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna tell you something that you already know, but shooters, true shooters, true shooters will always score. Even when they're off, they will always score. Find a way. Streaky shooters have to be hot. And the problem with streaky is you're only hot for a limited amount of time. So let's dive into that just a little bit. <laughs> because I think I think what's missing in this whole conversation is this. We focus on the shooting, the three-point shooting. And I heard an old OG of newspaper reporting uh, just this morning say Steph Curry broke basketball. 
because everybody wants to do what he does. Well, he is the best shooter to ever grace professional basketball. But if you look at the actual statistics of what's going on, he shot more twos than he did threes. Mm-hmm. So while you have these people over here in the Dallas Mavericks just chunking three-pointers. He's shooting twos. They got beat by twos. Yeah, because you because because look at the statistics. You're going to hit more twos than you hit threes. It's just yes. it's, the math doesn't lie. Yeah, points in the paint was like Golden State scored 62 points in the paint last night. Wow. Dallas scored 24, 25, something like that. Right. It's all about probability. Look, I can remember Dr. Agarro at Jackson State, uh, yep. my stats teacher, who would always break that down. Now, how do you get a bunch of athletes interested in statistics on a Monday morning at 8 o'clock? This is what I'm talking about, that culture. He made it sports-related. He broke it down and looked at our stats and made that stuff fun. So it was one of my, it was one of my hardest courses because uh, he challenged us, but it was one of my favorite courses uh, when it was all said and done. And, and that guy... Uh, all respect to the late uh, Dr. Gara, rest in peace. But man, he made an impact on my life. Just, just the way you look at numbers, and I can say, Mr. Peters, you must look at numbers differently, sir. <laughs> uh, and so, to this day, my love yeah. affair of numbers uh, and really looking at the statistics of it and the standard deviations, means for all that, all that comes from Dr. Gara. And the way he translated that. And so when you look at what Charles is saying and you look at the statistics of it, it's very obvious that the two point, the two point shot is still the most effective shot in basketball. Because you're gonna hit it more. Exactly. The name of the game is scoring. Outscoring the other opponent, you win. So if I get to outscore the other opponent opponent, and I can shoot 60% inside the twos, and I'm gonna shoot 38, 40% in the threes, then I gotta be strategic about the threes and I gotta make my living in the twos. Yes, and that's the point I was getting to, being strategic. Dallas shot 45 three-pointers last night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And they were doing a Hail Mary effect. You want to know You want to know how many uh, a three-time world champion with two of the best shooters to ever fade, to ever be on anybody's team in the NBA? They shot 28. That tells you everything that you need to know. Right. Everything you need to know. Well, while we talked about that, I do want to transition into just bringing more awareness to this because um, it is sad. We do mourn the victims that have passed away um, in the Buffalo shooting. It's crazy how when it first happened, I want to say I was leaving work. I was coming back. My mom was like, did you see the news? I said, no, what's going on? She said it was just a mass shooting at Buffalo. And it's sad how 11 were black and two were white. And you know how you were saying. Um, let's just take a quick, you know, 30 seconds of silence uh, to honor uh, those. Yes. Um, it's sad, though, because it's just another mass shooting. Like you said, Mr. Peters, earlier, how you had to ask some of your, you know, your peers, basically, why do you always clutch your purse when I'm in the elevator and we're going the same place? This has like no excuse at all. I really don't even want to hear the the insanity plea that they might try to say or anything. This was a planned murder. This shooter was not of any other minority. He was white. He was 18 years old. And in the past, it also showed how when he was um, <clears throat> at high school, it raised eyebrows, but authorities did nothing. They even said that in the news, even called FBI at one point, and they decided to do nothing. So I did want to bring awareness to this. I wanted to say it's sad, and it's just you have to worry about being black, going somewhere else. And this also ties into, I don't want to be like that, but it ties into why certain students do choose HBCUs. It, it, it ties into it. You get tired of dealing with that. It, it just don't make no sense. It doesn't. So 
I just wanted to, I don't know if you guys want to say anything about that. And then on top of that, it just showed how also when the dispatcher was being called, and I, I kind of want to do some more statistics on it just to see, since we're talking about probability, what's the uh, ratio between minorities and blacks within Buffalo? Because when they first called the dispatcher and she was whispering because she was in a mass shooting, the dispatcher hung up. Mm-hmm. Now she looked, now they looked at being fired. But it's like, <laughs> you expect me to scream that I'm getting shot at? I'm also trying to live. Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but it shows that no matter, I had to tell some of my friends because, you know, I'm from up North Granite, they might not show it as much as it is in the South. It doesn't matter if I'm up North or down South, people are always going to be racist. Oh, you know, um, we've lived a few more years of you, Kennedy, and uh, we've been, I'm glad you know that, and we've been in in and out of all kinds of circles. I'm gonna stand on this because I've done, you know, experiments. I can do an example right now with kids and show you this. But racism is taught. Mm-hmm. Racism is taught. Um, and some kind of way, um, and I don't understand why that chain has never been broken. And some, and there's a few selected families where that chain gets broken and that racism has not continued to be passed down, but it's few and far in between. And, but racism is taught. So if you take kids, a bunch of preschoolers, a bunch of, bunch of uh, kids that are in daycare, uh, when they're very, very young, you put, they don't, they don't know color and they don't act and behave that way. But if you watch those same kids matriculate through life, they do this. That's because racism is taught. At some point, it's brought to the attention where you're different. That's right. And it's, and it's taught. And we have to, just like on our side, it's taught how to, that it's coming. Yeah. It's taught that it's coming. And you have to be taught how to deal with it so you're not thrown off guard by it. So you're taught that even though you know, hey, you're not your friend, the world sees you differently. That's right. And so I've been in those positions where I go with my friend, we're together, but we're treated totally different. So I don't, I don't, I, I just have very little empathy for the continued teaching of racism because that's intentional. That's an intentional decision of adults to teach hatred. So I, I I can't I can't vibe with that, and I tell wherever I go I, and I, I tell my white friends it's taught, and until you're willing to stop teaching it, it's not going to be any impact. So my question is, what impact are you going to make to break this chain, just in your family, just in your circle, because mm-hmm. it's being taught, and you got to start it. somewhere. In in other words, we can't just keep pointing fingers, and so. Right. At some point, somebody's got to take responsibility for it because now we have, I mean, we can't go to church, we can't go to the grocery store. I mean, can't sit in our own apartment. Right. So we're running out of options here, people. Running out of options, which is why I'm glad, like, this is the type of research I want to conduct to to show people, like, numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. Numbers don't lie. This is what's actually going on, whether you want to sit up here and try to be oblivious to it or not. Numbers don't lie. Let me, let me, in 2017, there's a video on the internet somewhere where even the state attorney of Florida was pulled over by some cops. Yes. Uh, and if you just watch, I mean, again, so, I mean, it was, it, this wasn't a situation where it turned violent, but she was very calm, and, and but even as a state attorney, she had to be very calm and couldn't make no sudden movements because she knew she couldn't fix it right there on the side of the road. Right. And, and this is the highest level. You see what I'm saying? So that's the thing that when you black, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much degrees you got. There are some things you have to deal with that your white counterparts don't. And so you got to always explain that. And so I'm telling you, that is real. I have seen it two miles from my house in my own neighborhood. 
<laughs> hey, same here. So and I swear to God, the only reason I think I'm sitting here unharmed talking to you guys today is because the voice of my daughter and at the office that pulled me over had kids. And she was young and looked in the back seat. And I don't even know if she remembers the magnitude of what she said. She said, You're not gonna hurt my dad, are you? Mm. Same, it's it's sad though. But and even when that video that you were saying where she had to change her demeanor. And once them officers realized she was an actual attorney, they changed theirs. Right, <laughs> they right. changed right away. They decided, mm -hmm. oh, never mind. She's actually. But, but here's the thing I don't get, right? You shouldn't have to be there, though. Yeah, you shouldn't right. have to do it. Right. I mean, you run the tag. You see it's a state vehicle. <laughs> so that, that should give you some kind of clue there. Okay. Good. Then they asked, she asked the question, well, why wasn't my plate run in the first place? What was the... Uh, Oh, we, we run plates all the time, just what we do. So the, the 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 notion that it was just simply okay, no, it's not okay just to run plates <laughs> just because you And then if you go deeper, no, you didn't run plates just to run plates. You ran plates because you saw it was a black person driving that car. All right. See, see, that's the undertone, and we know that. And so that's what I'm saying. Racism is taught, and it's taught in ways that people sometimes don't even realize they're teaching it and they got that and I have to call it out and we have to call it out and we have to educate our white counterparts that want to be educated uh, and we have to call it out when we see it and we have to be bold enough to do that and have real talk and real conversations about it. I don't shy away from it. No, no need. I mean, at this point, um, everybody knows what's out there. It's just a matter of framing the, the discussion in a way to have people actually engage in meaningful dialogue and not and not into um tit for tats or well what about this instead of addressing the issue you know people like to cross match well what about black on black crime what about no let's let's address this issue head on exactly. there are other issues that need addressing but let's talk about this one Kennedy, as we wrap up the final uh, two minutes we got here today, uh, what else you want to touch on? Um, so the last thing that I wanted to touch on, you know, I always like to draw things in um, from a social standpoint and economic standpoint, and I always like to highlight stuff that's going on in Jackson. Um, so it actually is, it's about some Hines County supervisors decided to use ARPA funds on economic development. So it's basically the ARAP is American Rescue Plan Act funding, and it's going to be roughly $45 million. So my question is, oh, and also they, uh, the three members that were that were talking about it on this past Thursday was Supervisor Cradell Calhoun, Bobcat McCowan, and Vernon Gavin. And they also touched on how claims that the county was not only misusing the money, but that two board members were left out of the planning process. So... You know, Jackson has came a long way. I honestly tell my students, even people that came from Mississippi, that it's not a Missis Mississippi is Mississippi because of its governmental officials. It could be great. It could literally be a close to another Texas. So, do you think, Dr. Irvin and Mr. Peters, that now that Dion isn't not only showing highlight to Jackson State, but it's also showing highlight to the city of Jackson? The city of Jackson feels like they have to raise their standards and start focusing on economic development because now you're going to bring in, like y'all just said, a housing crunch. Mm -hmm. A lot of more students, new black engineers, lawyers, doctors. So, do you yeah. think that ties hand in hand? Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely a correlation. Um, but the city has to get its act together. County has to get their act together and recognize the impact. And one of the, the largest drivers of economic development in this region is Jackson State football, mm. Jackson State athletics, Coach Reed in her outfit. Uh, you know, you have to you you have to once recognize it and then you have to uh, not just plan because there are plenty of plans. There's master plans, there's infrastructure plans, there's <laughs> plans, there's planning plans. That's not enough. You have to actually act. Even if it's small, you have to act because what's happened over the years is deterioration to the point that now there's a class action lawsuit going on for uh, water consumption 
by children in Jackson, Mississippi, due to the terrible uh, pipe issues. Yeah. You got lead poisoning. So those things don't happen overnight, you know? It's not something that happens like, oh, boom, the pipes go bad. No, those pipes have been bad since we were in school. Yep. Yeah. And so you allow, you allow it to fester, but you can't, you can't now be let off the hook to say, well, the problem is so large, the scale and magnitude of it is so large that we can't do anything. <laughs> no. Um, got to get out of that mindset. Got to do something. Got to do can't, something. You, you can't be overwhelmed. And not at. Yes. If that's the case, then you are underwhelming. And we need to remove you from off. And I think, that can do the job. Yes. And I think another thing too, not saying that it's it's affecting it a little bit, but not as much. But the water issue, I truly believe we could even have a higher um rate of income refreshment if that wasn't such a big issue sometimes. Incoming new students and transfers. Mm-hmm. We could have even before Dion came, if I'm being honest, yeah, that's just my when I first yeah, came. But then, too, as it relates to tuition and yeah. increasing <laughs> enrollment, COVID hurt everybody. Yes, and so that's why I say you kind of step back from that and look forward as to what happens now, next year, the year after, the next over the next ten years, Jackson State will be remade. City of Jackson, if they're smart, will be remade. Very true. It's an opportunity to have a, a huge economic engine driving uh, and creating a perfect storm. Because I'm going to be a little jealous. I mean, I'll be happy. I'm going to be jealous when I see all the students. Well, listen, Kenny, don't feel bad. Hey. I mean, don't feel bad. Cause I'm oh, I feel that way about us. Yeah. <laughs> better than we right. Right. Look, look. <laughs> all we had, All we had was... Uh, was was the five day grease chicken? <laughs> Y'all have options, right? No options. What no options? What you talking about? Then I don't to what y'all have. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I don't want to hear. No, 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 ma'am. Just a tag. Just no, a ma'am. No, look, ma'am. I could go to the bathroom and I didn't even have to go out my door to get that. So, so just, just, just you do, you do the math on that. Oh, oh, yes. But that is any other things y'all like to say before we head out this weekend as Brett wraps up the show today? I will officially say congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. To the, the, the member of our family and uh, as you get ready to do some of the intern, but also to the newest Delta second player that I know. <laughs> and uh, So hard to be a Delta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. mm. Congratulations. Thank to you. the Reds, the Reds. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let you close us out, Kenny, and send us out in the way Man. that only your Delta can. So I'm gonna let you go and do your thing. Do my thing. What you want me to do? You want me to see whatever you want. Well, I don't really have anything. I would just say thank you for you guys for always supporting me ever since I was a young buck, a sophomore year. Now I'm going to my senior year. I got one more year, so I got to make the best of it with you all. But thank you guys always for being leaders in my life. I do appreciate it. And I hope everybody has a safe weekend. And remember, the best way is the red way. (laughs) (laughs) Take us out, Mr. Peters. Have a great weekend, y'all. Have a good weekend. Thank you.